0: plot twists, we're obsessed with them. In film, life, and love, they turn up everywhere.
1: It's that defining moment when a story, any story, takes you in an unexpected direction.
0: I'm Tom, superhero buff and comedy lover.
1: And I'm Fran, reality TV obsessive and true crime enthusiast, and we're from Now TV.
0: And throughout this series, we're going to be interviewing TV and film stars asking them all about their favourite plot twists, both on and off screen.
1: So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind the scenes nuggets that you've never heard before.
0: Contain spoilers.
1: Obviously. So Tom, I've got a game of would you rather. Love this. Up first, would you rather lose the ability to lie or believe everything you're told?
0: Well, Fran, as you know, I'm a pretty upstanding gentleman and I always tell the truth as it is. So Debatable. Um, so, yeah, I just rather lose the ability to lie.
1: Yeah, I think I'd want to believe everything I'm told because I already a
0: terrible, terrible liar. But yeah, fair answer. Mm, OK, well, I've got one straight back at you. Would you rather run at 100 miles an hour or fly at 10?
1: obviously fly. I'd fly at one mile an hour. Like I'd give anything, (laughs) just be able to take flight and get myself anywhere in the world, regardless of how long it took.
0: I'd love to see you flying along at one miles an hour.
1: (laughs) Very slow. Very slow. Oh
0: gosh. Have we got one more?
1: (laughs) Yeah, one more. So would you rather be transported permanently 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past?
0: And I know that I've been transported.
1: You know, you've been transported. You've lived your life today and you've been transported Mm,
0: this is tricky i'm a bit concerned about the future i'm not gonna lie not to be all doom and gloom but i'm probably have to go back 500 years
1: i knew you'd err on the side of caution i'd be straight there in the future experiencing all of the new stuff i mean concerning thing being you don't know what the future holds i suppose but i think it'd be exciting
0: fomo fran doesn't want to miss out this is the problem
1: fomo fran indeed (laughs) anyway anyway um this week's really exciting. So we are talking all things Brave New World, which is coming to Now TV. And the topic of the future is really on point for this week. Because Brave New World is this sort of futuristic, dystopian world called New London that is quite literally built on top
0: it's of... Old London.
1: Old London. Um, and there are three rules that everyone has to live by. So there's oh, okay. no monogamy. Cheeky. No privacy. Hmm. And no family.
0: Oh, that's shame.
1: Which is tough. And I'm sure you can imagine the chaos that a world like that could create. But fear not, because in this futuristic world, you can take pills that keep everyone comfortable and calm and at peace. Um, And then like all great dystopian futures, there's obviously the Savage Lands, which are the land where they don't live by these rules and and there's a bit more sort of disarray. And the show explores how these two worlds and the characters within them come together.
0: So it's a really exciting new series. In fact, it seems like these futuristic series, like Westworld, Handmaid's Tale, it's super, super popular. So popular. this one? Um, And we've got the two stars of the show, Harry Lloyd and Jessica Brown Finlay. If you remember from Game of Thrones, Khaleesi's brother, Rhaegar. Oh,
1: savagely killed off. Has molten gold poured over him. I don't know if that's like the best or the worst way to be killed off in Game of Thrones. I can't
0: really work that through. Even for Game of Thrones standards, that's pretty brutal. But what a way to go. Um, And he was also, for Geeks Like Me, if you remember Robin Hood, the BBC series, he played Will Scarlet, one of the uh, famous outlaws. Brilliant in that. And then Jessica Brown Finlay... Lady Sybil, Downton Abbey. I know. Oh,
1: also got killed on a off horrendous. Death. I know. I know. <laughs> I know.
0: That was really quite uh, traumatic.
1: But fans loved her.
0: Fans loved her, and she's also, of course, been in Black Mirror series four. Um, she was I know, and awesome quite similar
1: to this, it was also sort of a futuristic world. So uh, she's well adept to living in the future.
0: <laughs> she certainly is. Well, I think we should probably hear what they've got to say, right?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Here it is: our interview with Harry Lloyd and Jessica Brown Finlay on plot twist. Well, Harry, Jessica, welcome to Plot Twist. Lovely to have you on. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Um, Before we properly kick off uh, with a few features, we should say uh, congratulations Norda Jessica, because two and a half weeks ago you got married.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah, thanks.
0: (laughs) And then you had your birthday, what, a few days later? It's like a pretty dreamy September, right? Yeah,
2: um, yeah. Um, My husband and I... (laughs) sounds so cool. Um, my husband and I got, <laughs> um, yeah, we got married, we were meant to get married back in April and we we just sort of picked this date in September totally randomly and then we also thought how great because no matter what sort of, it will be very hard to ever forget our anniversary because I'm, I love my birthday <laughs>
1: and <laughs> <laughs> so, just like Fran. yeah, so oh, do you? Yeah, birthday like, month. Yes. Is what yeah. I yeah. Yeah. For. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And so um, we couldn't believe it when it happened. When the sort of rule of six came in, that that was going to be the Monday. That was my birthday. And so we were just like, okay, oh, this joking. is going to be the last time we're all together with our family. Um, so it, it, it was really special, really emotional, and just had the reception on our street. So it was really, Amazing. it was very wow. homemade okay. really and completely relaxed and I couldn't recommend it more it's it's a great way to get married none of the kind of
1: fluff it was it was great
0: now Harry uh over to you oh, um, it, it,
1: he's gonna come out with a fangirl moment here I can I can just feel it fan, <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: what is it when it's guy to guy is it fangirling do you call it that it's, it's probably not the the right
3: way to put it but I think, essentially it is that. I think it is the same actually
0: yeah uh, <laughs> fine okay well it is it's that
2: fanboying sounds really <laughs> funny
0: <laughs> back in the day Big, big fan of Will Scarlet in Robin Hood. Oh, loved really? it. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> and that had, that, that had a great cast as well, actually. Like you know uh, what? Gordon really, Kennedy really and yeah. Richard Armitage as well. I mean, he's gone on to big things. Right? Yeah,
3: I know. He became a dwarf. What's <laughs> more,
0: <laughs> And he's like he's six foot two. He's a, he's a strapping, handsome guy. And we should say we love a bit of trivia on this podcast. Not going to lie and we found some in, in the prep, and I'm going to put it out there. I think this is probably... You know where I'm probably going with this. Oh, um, Harry. Well, <laughs> okay, it turns out twins, how it far you've true. gone into the closet.
3: <laughs> Skeleton's falling well,
0: So it's, it's out there. But is it true that you're the great, great, great grandson of Charles Dickens? That is true.
1: <gasps> I don't know if it was fake
0: news. Boom. It's a true story. Oh, he's got the book. He's got the book as well.
3: <laughs> Signed edition. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I got I got nothing. <laughs> uh, but it is true. Great, great, great. Yeah.
0: I think that'd be great for like a dating bio. You know, putting that on there. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm luckily happily married, but it definitely. I'm not sure if it helped in my uh, <laughs> dating. In your in your pitch. I don't think my wife was particularly <laughs> impressed by it. Um, <laughs> I, maybe. I, who knows? Maybe it was the key. It's a it's a lovely piece of trivia, and I do. I'm extremely proud of it, and I think it's something uh, very lucky if you're going to be related to someone. Yeah. Famous and, you know, who was born 200 years ago. There's a bunch of people you would not want to be related to. And uh, um, Dickens is no paragon of virtue by any means, but he did something fairly extraordinary. And it, it, the best thing about it, to be honest, is that when I was young, I got into his books earlier and I was, always, I was quite booky. Any of my parents are publishers. It was always... I was the booky one. So I got into it and I wasn't scared of them, I suppose, Mm-hmm. And I read *Tailor Two Cities when I was 12, actually, and I kind of hated it because I was too young and I didn't understand <laughs> it. And then I saw Simon Callow do The Mystery of Charles Dickens when I was 16. He does this one-man show, and I was like, oh, he's funny. And it's not like this grand guy in social justice. Oh, he's so silly. And like there's this funny story about a guy who's eating a sandwich on a truck and the bridge cuts his head off and he's got no head to put his sandwich in. And I was like, that's funny stuff. I just really remember it. So I started at the start and started reading Pickwick papers and started making my way through them. Oh, I haven't read all movie. of them. But I uh no, it's uh it's just a good way into the books, really. The books is the stuff.
0: Well, I know you've been asked that before probably. Um but we've we've set up a new feature so that, you know, you get asked questions that typically you might not already get asked. Oh, that's great. So Yeah, okay. so Tom
1: and I's favourite thing is to just go into a real rabbit hole around a topic that is just very unimportant, but we definitely got very a big opinion on. So we thought we'd just play a little random question generator game where we're going to get you to pick a number and we're going to throw a random question out there and see how you feel about it. So (laughs) Jess, do you want to pick a number between one and six? And we're going to, we're going to pick a question. Okay. um, Three. Three. Oh, okay. Okay. What is something you are certain you'll never experience? It's quite big.
2: I think one thing I would never want to experience, even if I was given a ticket and blah, 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 is I, d- I just can't... I don't want to go into space. No. Really?
0: Absolutely yeah, well, I'd not. I'd freak
3: out that. No, I'd freak yeah. out. That's on my big bucket list. I would be sad to die before I do it.
1: Oh, no, no. No, you couldn't... Know no it, amount I'm of money.
0: There. Nope. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you on that I mean, one. I don't mean, even
1: have any just food aversions that, you know...
3: It's, it doesn't will, have to be the okay. big questions. <laughs> I will never eat uh, a gallon of mushroom soup, for sure. Oh. <laughs> Is mushroom
1: soup sure. offensive?
3: <laughs> I was young and I was once given a grey soup by like a, a friend's nanny, I think, when I was little. And for like, just the look of it and then the t- I still can, now I can do mushrooms on pizzas. I'm getting into it, but I will never fully embrace the mushroom.
1: <laughs> like past. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we'll come back uh, but, to but another. But Jesse, Jim,
3: G- I was just think Jesse—that scene—I didn't realise in episode two when you're floating around in the spacecraft looking—you must have hated that. <laughs> I have no idea.
2: I know that's really funny to think of that. I guess I—I yeah. I didn't think of my experience in that moment at all because. I was just thinking that she would love that. Lenina would love floating around in a spaceship and she's fascinating. Yeah. She's really not afraid of anything because I'm afraid of everything. So I just, I never really contemplated that, but yeah, no, you couldn't get me in a spaceship. Sarah.
0: The power of green screen.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> what's, what's that like actually? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to, we've got a, a quite a bit to ask you about Brave New World, but with the green screen like that, where obviously it's very visually compelling, it's a beautiful backdrop. But you don't obviously don't see that. What's it like as actors when you you're doing the, you've done the scene together and then down the line you see the edit and then suddenly you do see this beautiful backdrop.
3: Well, the, I got to be honest. The crazy thing about this job is that quite often it was there. I'd like scenes where I'm oh, really? sitting on the helix underground, the tube basically, with scenes with Alden and the lights, you know, and you know where you know when the train is speeding up at the station. One scene lasted between one and station and the other. And so instead of a green screen, they've got these massive LCD screens, like the ones they have at festivals, and they've got the animated... I can look out the window and see something, and then when I watch it back, I'm looking at it because it's, it's affecting the light. There's also tuned in to the complex lighting rig, which is in tune with the sequence of images, so it's all organic. So I'm literally travelling through New London, talking to John the Savage, being like, this is, yeah, no imagination it's incredible. Required. It was amazing. It's not normal. Like that first scene, Jesse, when you're walking towards my office, you've got this, like, 30, 40-second cam shot. She goes into the lift, she takes a soma, you see a bit of the world as she's travelling between these buildings, yada, yada, and comes into Bernard's office. I had an AD showing me live the steady cam shot. I could see Jesse approaching. And in the background, I didn't see blue screen, I could see already, with markers referenced with, like, tape on the wall, the real New London. Like, pretty much an ungraded Next version level. of what you saw... And yeah, then he scurries away and she walks in and I'm like, what's my line? You know, because <laughs> it was really, it was really That's distracting. Incredible. It was distractingly good, actually. I'd rather a green screen sometimes. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Is that a new I was feature like, now? No, or? Industrial Light and Magic, you know, they've got all the toys. Jeez.
0: Wow. Well, before we go on to some more Brave New World questions, we've got to ask about Plot Twist. This is the Plot Twist podcast. Our favourite question is based around careers. You both have had huge success in shows like Game of Thrones and Downton Abbey, of course, Jessica. But what would be the biggest plot twist moment if you had to pick out one moment for your career?
1: Hmm. We thought the random question generator was the big question. (laughs) You this in the back pocket. (laughs) Um,
2: I think for me, I don't know what's ever really going to top um, Sybil Sybil dying in childbirth. And one of which I took... Wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> but I took it, <laughs> I took it so seriously when I was told I wasn't allowed to tell anyone, um, and um, to the, even to the point of it was coming out, and it came out. And I just arrived in the states. So I was about to start a job, and I got off the plane, and um, uh, it was sort of I'd landed just as that episode had kind of aired. And I had a call from my mom, and I was like, "Oh, she's just checking if I've landed, and it's fine." And it was my mum, distraught. And because she just settled down for a little Sunday evening, you know, tucking in with a nice glass of red wine, chilling out and sort of a nice relaxed time that she thought she was going to be having. And then she just, she was calling me in tears, being like, I just want to die. And just, oh, <laughs> she was in pieces. And I was like, oh, I just couldn't. I didn't think I could tell you, you know, cause she does like to have a little chat with the neighbors and tell them everything. Um, and so <laughs> I just, yeah, but I, I didn't tell her. And so now I obviously divulge if she's going to have to watch something really horrific, but that was a big twist that even my mum didn't see coming. So that was,
0: that
1: was, that's probably mine.
0: And you made that and then the unexpected as well, you made that decision as well. You wanted to try out new ventures essentially, right? That was a brave decision in itself.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was my second job. So it was sort of... We all had a three-year contract. And then after two years, it was offered to become, like, a seven or eight with a film and everything. And yeah. and at that point in my life, I was still at art school. Um, I was still a student. And I just thought, at that time, seven years just was...
3: Mm, ugh, and just that yeah, idea like was, like, treatment. that's all of yeah, school. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I just couldn't... I couldn't fathom what that would look like for me. So I just thought, no, I'm good. This has been amazing. I need to go and sort of learn other things, um, which I, I try to do. But yeah, no, so <laughs> it was a very a youthful decision.
3: <laughs> what about you, Harry? What would be that plot twist? Weirdly, the thing that jumps out, which again, I don't think was a big career game changer, but for me it was, as my like confidence as an actor, when for the first time I got, I was waiting to hear about the part of to play Rodolfo in View from the Bridge, who is this Sicilian, flamboyant, singing immigrant with blonde hair. And I'm like, if I can get that, who I have very little in common with that guy and I'm not very good at singing and I've been to Italy very rarely, uh, if I can act my way into that and get away with it, then I'm doing all right. That's not, you know, that's surely the only reason I could get that is because I, I do something funny. And I turned down another job for the first time in my life because I wanted to hold out for this one. And when I got it, I, uh, it was the only time I've showered down the phone because I'm not a shouted down the phone kind of person but I did <laughs> at that moment. Because it had paid off. And then I went on this great little trip to Sicily on my own for four days and I just tried to find... Oh, dreamy. I didn't know what I was doing. I was, like, in my 20s. But, you know, it just feels good to read, a, read Arthur Miller and sit on some abandoned dockyard in Sicily that would have looked the same in the period of the play. And you just feel... You walked into the room. I walked into that room feeling I should, I have no right to play this. But I feel confident because I did this weird trip and no one else has done that. And I learned a lot by like you can just if you can make yourself feel confident whatever that takes and if you can walk into that room with some kind of secret then that's your way in and I that was a big deal for me
1: and is that something you've taken into the sort of rest of your auditions and yeah roles? Uh, yeah
3: I do think you need a secret which you shouldn't give away or show it off but for you to know it is enough to give you an angle that's mm. awesome I love that
1: but anyway, guys, look, it's exciting week, isn't it? So Brave New World's coming out. How are you feeling about it?
3: Yeah, finally. Uh, I know. We, we did the big launch in, in July in America. And now it's kind of one of those things that's on TV and it's fine and you forget about it. So it's exciting to get excited again.
2: Yeah, it sort of brings it all back. Um, we were sort of, we were emailing, um, Harry sent an email around and um, Alden and I was, we were all just kind of talking about how it feels... Honestly, you you said it really well. You said it feels about six years ago that we made oh, really? it just yeah,
3: because that we filmed it. Yeah,
2: yeah, just purely because of how much has changed and happened within that year. But we, you know, Fair. we I I sort of I started the process of of this being the future of my life in sort of February twenty nineteen. And then sort of wow. it was all of that year right through to Christmas and then just poof, like the world shuts
3: down.
2: Yeah. And, that's and then all it was
3: that's... ADR in your loft. Yeah, yeah. Was,
2: under uh, a duvet. and
3: all the, <laughs> all the lines that you have to re-record. You know, I was doing it in my weird little duvet studio. <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. It's Soundproof weird. yourself. But obviously, I mean, the show's obviously set in... That hundreds and hundreds of years into the future and there's loads of popular series that that do similar things with these sort of futuristic worlds like mm. Westworld, Black Mirror, Handmaid's Tale. What do you think it is that people find so fascinating about that setup? I think there's something when we look back very 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 quickly
2: the world's if if you're telling sort of a very very honest story about history the world completely shuts down certain stories are not recorded or told it excludes so many people very very quickly and so like looking into the future whilst it's sort of this kind of um often we do it in a kind of dy- with a dystopian feeling it it at least sort of kind of expands into something unknown and could include everything and everyone. I think there's something exciting about a story being able to be anything rather than restricted mm. by by the sort of exclusivity of how history's been yeah. written.
3: I do also think that right now you can't necessarily tell a story that feels true about today without it being somewhat surreal and odd and kind of futuristic because the world is shifting so rapidly in a technological revolution and a revolution in almost every other sphere of our society so to see dystopian things in a way makes us feel safer that oh well it's not that bad but I do (laughs) recognize the seeds and there's this cautionary tale but we also feel a bit better because it's not Handmaid's Tale you know people it's not that bad but Brave New World is slightly different I would suggest because it's Purports to be a utopian world. Everyone's happy. We've finally sorted that out. There is no crime. There is no envy. There's none of these illegal, savage emotions. Which, you know, in some ways, it's great. There's no disease. There's no injuries. It's good times. Everyone's mm-hmm. having sex all the time. They're taking drugs. <laughs> Lots of orgies. Lots of Lots or- of orgies. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. something to say for that. Yeah. But, <laughs> one... <laughs> but then, what the series explores is, uh, to be in episode one, especially between Lenina and Bernard, is that if you. Despite all your conditioning and genetic slight alteration and being happy in your place, yeah, there's something missing. This doesn't quite cover all the stuff that humanity needs. And humanity is itching in characters like these two to get out. And I think what that does for an audience today is to recognise, Okay, so what is the defining thing of the humanity? What is the itch? We're not meant to be stable. We do have something that's constantly going to try and break stuff and we want the right to be unhappy. Okay, so if we can be honest about that, what kind of society can we build better than this one and better than that one that we can move towards? Because I don't know about you, but for something, for a, a society that feels so futuristic that we're living in now, no one knows what 2050 is going to look like. I have no idea and it's not that far away. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm interested yeah, in, well, extrapolate that to an, to a really high degree, and I want to see what that society looks like, because I don't know where we're, I don't know where we're going, you know. Yeah. Even
0: in the last ten years, though, the amount of changes, like you say, the, yeah. in the entertainment industry, but even with you know, movements in the world now and activism, everything is just gathering pace. So I was thinking, you yeah, know, if level.
3: you like suddenly dropped me in 2030, now in 30 years' time, how much would I reckon? How weird would it be? And now that. You know, I'm a bit older. I can actually go back 30 years. But if you showed my seven-year-old self in 1990, 2020, well, there's still buses. There's still, you know what I mean? There's like, it's just, it's actually not so much the surface that looks crazy different. I always thought about flying cars. I'm sad they're not really here yet. But that was always the thing. <laughs> but what I wouldn't realise is the way people are communicating, the way they were connected, what the advertising is for. and It's actually, it doesn't look that different to 1990, actually. But it's massively different.
1: But it's interesting, like you say, some of the themes that Brave New World explores are sort of how we would move potentially from a society today to a society of the future based on the things we're trying to resolve. But it's interesting that the book that it's adapted from was written in the 1930s and yet those themes are still coming through.
3: I don't think it was evident to anyone but a man named Aldous Huxley... To be honest, I think he was massively ahead of his time. And to see nineteen eighty four and to say, George, nice book, but we're going to be enslaved not by some totalitarian big brother, but by our own laziness mm. and our own <laughs> convenience, and we will willingly accept happiness over freedom. Yeah. And that actually has proven to be an equally, if not more, pertinent idea and now than it was in nineteen thirty two. When um, it was it would have stood out as an interesting prediction, and now we're like, ah, oh, what a prophet.
1: Yeah. And what do you think for both of your characters in this new world is the biggest thing that they are both contending with? I think
2: for Lanina, she's already exploring the possibility of of potentially finding someone else in New London who is willing to live oh, slightly oh. outside of how <laughs> Harry, are you okay? Are you right? Harry just ate a nut. <laughs>
3: just <laughs> I mean,
2: I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, she's kind of exploring how how that might... He's OK. <laughs> OK, good. <laughs> how she might be able to survive um, in that world. <laughs> I think that's... Um, she's already exploring that, but I think the biggest thing that she's grappling with is how to possibly trust other people to explore mm-hmm. something like that with her, and, and 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 not be sort of ratted out, not be kind of betrayed or excommunicated, to not be sort of pushed out. Um, I think she's very intrigued by things um, that she shouldn't be. So I think it's just... And, and they don't have history in this world. So even if someone's sort of taken out of New London and is never seen again, no one knows where they go. It's it's not they don't even have a concept that of how big the world is or small or even really that they are in fact that this that this city is built above old London, this kind of rotting, covered-in trees world. They don't even know that's underneath them. So if you don't know anything about outside of that building or that street or whatever, it's it would be terrifying. So I think that's Trust is a big thing for her, I think.
0: Now, how do you get into the mindset of a character like that? We often ask around sort of the process of becoming an actor, but actually you know, when, you've, when you've established that and you have a role coming up like this, which is set in the future as well, how do you get into the mindset of the character? What's
3: the, what's the process there? Um, <clears throat> <laughs> I had a slight <laughs> issue with a piece of tangerine. Oh, it's a tangerine. <laughs> <I'm okay. How laughs> she, tangerine. I thought it was a good time. She's, uh, Jesse's launching in. I'm going to have a quick bite. This is a good time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, getting into Bernard is less about... Well, I guess you get rid of all the stuff that you're scared about, the stuff that's foreign. So, you obviously, you go to the book and you just get all the facts you can, most of which the background of the society is almost identical, very similar to our one. So you learn all the rules. And if someone like Bernard, he's an alpha plus, he's a counsellor, what are the things that he knows just off the bat? What are his instincts, his conditioning? What is his kind of normal? So before we start getting into this subversive idea that he's going to poke a hole in this perfect society, I had to flesh out this perfect society and not make it weird and foreign. And actually, so what is he like on a good day? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What's normal in this world? And then you can see him on the street, and then you can start giving him the cracks, which is... Actually, he doesn't feel like an alpha plus and I don't know why. Da, da, da. And, but first of all, it's just kind of fact-finding. and It's fun to just normalise this very weird world. So when you walk into Bernard's office, it's is my office and I have a bonsai tree and da, 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 and none of this is weird <laughs> and you can, people can hopefully go along with you. As you do. You can't be in awe of any of the stuff that, when I first read it, I was in awe of. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of digest all that and get, out, get it out of the way.
2: Yeah, I think there's always like a peeling away, it's sort of who you are and then sort of taking away the bits of you that aren't useful. Um, because for me I always connect and want to tell a story that it has to be from truth. It can't just be sort of forgetting who I am and being someone else. It's sort of I've got to start with the parts of me that understands or empathises and connects with that character. Um, and, and, and then and then build on top of that. But, yeah, there always has to be something very truthful, whether it's sort of you're telling a story from 2,000 years ago or sort of 1,000 years in the future. It, as long as they are somehow human, you, you're starting in a good space.
1: <laughs> Find a way to connect.
2: Yeah, I think
3: that's a big thing for these guys as well, because when you say everyone's happy and there are certain alpha, beta, gamma, straight away, you're like, all right, so they're like aliens? They're like... And I was imagining all those... Do you remember that film Galaxy Quest? Did you ever see that? No. With Tim Allen in... Uh, OK, well, you should check it out. It's a 90s <laughs> comedy, which is my genre, basically. And it was... So these guys who were in a Star Trek huge TV show actually get mistaken by real aliens to be superheroes. So the aliens actually transport them and these actors have to pretend to be oh, their, their characters. and stuff. <laughs> It's genius, and Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's in it, and it's brilliant. But there are these classic. guys, the aliens who take them, are these guys who are super happy, and one of them is played by uh, Rain Wilson from The Office, and they're, like, super happy all the time and they talk like this, and it's a bit weird, <laughs> but they're kind of nice, but they're harmless. And I just thought Bernard mustn't be like that, <laughs> uh, because otherwise, if everything's really happy but it's clearly not, then you're willfully ignorant and you're just annoying, and you could be like C three PO. And I just we had to humanise them and say, no, no, they can still have laughs and they can still get annoyed. They'll take a pill when they get annoyed and it'll be okay. But they have the same instincts; they just deal with them very differently. Um, so yeah, it was a slightly different process, I guess, because of that.
1: It's interesting to see, like you say, you have to find that that way to connect with that character first and then build out from that. It can't just be a shift completely away from who you are as a person. Yeah. But, <laughs>
3: um,
1: but look, this is the Plot Twist podcast, so it's time for another Plot Twist question. Um, so we really enjoy hearing about people's experiences and through their careers and their personal lives. So <clears throat> this Plot Twist question's more about an unexpected person that might have had an influence on you or your careers. So is there anyone who's sort of come out of the blue, both professionally or personally, that you didn't think would have a... Sort of profound impact on sort of your journey, but they have.
0: Yeah, an unexpected force. Mm. Mm. Good
3: question. That's why we're here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not really a good
2: I know. I'm trying to think of something interesting. Um, yeah. I have an interesting experience in that um, I worked with a director who I had always I would wanted to work with forever called Koki Gedroich, I worked with her on Harlots and um, as a result of working with her and she sort of talked to me very sort of honestly about what that show was going to be and I um it kind of that that job itself kind of healed um a part of me with within myself that I'd sort of I was so afraid of being flamboyant again and um a sort of I guess the industry is slightly sort of I felt quite battered and bruised by some things mm. that had happened and she just was this amazing force and this brilliant woman who came sort of into my life at this amazing moment and gave me so much confidence to kind of go on to set and be sexy and funny and unapologetic both sort of about being an actor but also physically and, um, and now she's She's part of my family, <laughs> so that's a kind of amazing way I sort of work with this woman, and, and, and now, and now she's um, my my mother in law. So that's pretty cool. <laughs>
3: that's <a family. laughs> yeah. Wow. What well, about you, Harry? Any other well, unexpected forces? Yeah, well, similarly, a director springs to mind, uh, a Frenchman named Jihad Garuti, uh, who I did a workshop at the RSC for a week years before, and just straight away thought we did Dangerous Liaison." Les Liaisons Dangereuses, for a week for a reading, basically. And just yeah. the way he, on a whiteboard, laid out the, th- like the four acts of the story and broke it down. I had this little kind of grid, and within 20 minutes, had digested this very complicated play with all the characters. And I was like, ah, one, two, three. He, I was like, wow, you're a mathematic genius. But then when we started rehearsing it, he was he was very personal and human and was, even though he was French, you could see exactly what you meant to say, even though you didn't say it. And I thought, this is a guy with both sides of his brain, very sophisticated. And I was like, I'd love to do something with him. But I was young, 20-something, didn't know anything. And then a few years later, I was unemployed long enough to think, if I was going to do something, who would I want to do it with? I, I, should, I should just do a play, I should write something. So I just called him. And because he's amazing and he remembered me, he's like, yes, I loved working with you. And I was like, oh, great, yeah. And he's like, what should we do? Oh, wow. And I said... Uh, no he's like well I'm busy basically for the rest of my life but I have a three month gap now so why don't we do something now and oh I was like God. yeah what about like this and this he's like well, why don't we do a one man play and I was like great and he's like okay you're yeah. going to write it uh, what have you read recently and I said I just, actually, I just got for Christmas I got this great Dostoevsky book about this guy who lives on his own and is kind of crazy and he says great write it I've never written a play before. But you know what? I did, and we did it together. And I rehearsed it in his basement in Paris in January, as he stayed up all night looking for venues. And we did it in three extraordinary spaces in Paris. And we got a great review, and then we opened a new theater in London with it that year. And for the, within a year, I was like, "Oh, you can, you can call people, and like you can do it." And oh, someone God, it never... could have been someone else, but it wasn't. It was him. And he greenlit everything. And he's we're still in touch. We're gonna do we were gonna do a lockdown version of it. And then, you know, stuff happened. But he's, uh, he's a friend and we'll do stuff together again. And he empowered uh, a lazy actor. And I'll thank you. <laughs> it's
2: such an amazing thing to remember you can call people, isn't it? I think you so can, often. You
3: can call people. Yeah. As an actor, you, wait, you sit by the phone your whole life.
2: Uh-huh.
3: You can call people. I don't do it very often. <laughs> um, oh, that's but, incredible. Yeah, you can, yeah.
0: It's not what you know, it's who you know, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, Harry, Jessica, thank you so much for being a plot twist. Um, Thank you, guys. Well, thank you. Bring on Friday, the Um, new series. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm going to love it. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Brad, that was a great interview. Love that.
1: Yeah, such nice people and really interesting to hear about the show and the process that they go through. It must be so difficult to play a character in a world that doesn't exist. I love that they were saying you have to, like, strip yourself back to find the part of yourself that does identify with the character and then you build out from there and and you have to normalise this really weird world so that they're not walking around as characters going... This is weird. Really I felt, fascinating.
0: I felt we were, yeah, two very serious actors who were very dedicated to their craft and meticulous almost in that process of finding the character. You you, you got that sense, which was really interesting.
1: Yeah. And some also really interesting plot twists that they talk about. So Harry was obviously saying with his plot twist being.
2: It's not what you know, pivot- it's who you know.
1: It's not what you know, it's who you know. And, that, and the pivotal role that he sort of was like, if I can get this role. That will be the most far removed from my character. And if I can get that, I'm unstoppable. And always having that cheeky little secret in your back pocket.
0: I loved that. And even the, the surprise element with Jessica, her mum clearly wasn't expecting Lady Sybil to die like that at christmas and then to see your own daughter die on screen how that must be tough that must be it must be so traumatic
1: because you obviously know they're acting but you get so involved with these characters let alone when it's your daughter to see that play out must be just horrendous and i've just said oh i can't tell her much because she's uh she's in the pockets of the neighbors so they'd also end up knowing (laughs) (laughs) so classic mum life isn't it if you want a secret kept do not tell your
0: mum. <laughs> I mean, if you were best pals with Jessica and then you you found out for the first time watching that, I don't know about you, Fran, but I'd be pretty annoyed. I'd be, I'd be WhatsApp straight away, like, what's going on? What's happened here?
1: I think it's great in a way because it's staying true to the series and it's letting the people experience that in the moment without expecting it, and, and yeah. that's what makes part of these great TV moments is when things come. Completely by surprise, and, and you don't see them coming at all. I mean, I don't know when it's a family member, I, I cannot comment on that one, but um, yeah, really interesting plot twists this week. I really enjoyed
0: their answers. Proper plot twists, yeah. So, if you want to check out the new series, Brave New World, it's available on now TV from Friday. We loved it, and you won't be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure there's much more to say than get watching, and we'll see you next week.
0: Ciao.